Welcome to episode 38. Hey everyone, this is Bootstrapping Sass, a journey to 10K in MRR with Claritas.com. Today I will talk about the importance of having the right co-founder. Um, and I have a few audio clips exclusive to this episode by Arvid Carl of Zero to Sold, Justin Jackson of Transistor FM and Simon Bennett of Snapshooter. But first, a quick shout out to my Patreon supporters in alphabetical order. Uh, Jace Richardson with Repogar.com, Flamur Mavrai at Orneo.no, Merot Movahedi with Zabal.co with an X, Valion Badivuku and Zoli Veris. Thanks, guys. If you want to support this podcast, you can do so by going to Patreon.com forward slash Bootsass. It helps me run this podcast and pay off a few expenses of Claritask, the product. And if you have a team, you can use claritas.com. Uh, sign up and receive 20% off for the first three months just for being a listener to this show. All right, so on with the show. Uh, quick note on podcasting. Um, from listening to a lot of my friends' podcasts and following their journey, uh, this sort of feels like the early days of uh, IRC. You know, like uh, we're sort of chatting to one another in a in an async format where we're taking bits, what somebody's saying on their podcast, and maybe we're elaborating on ours, etc. And this is really nice group of bootstrappers that are constantly um, documenting their journey. And uh, I'll include the list of some of the podcasts I listen to. And they're actually most of them on the list that Justin provided on Transistor website. Uh, for the podcast for bootstrappers and indie hackers, so I'll share that. So today, uh, it's a very special episode. I have a few audio clips, like I said, in the beginning of the show. Uh, they're exclusive to this episode uh, from questions that I've asked uh, Arvid, uh, Justin, and Simon. And uh, first off, I want to kick it off with my experience uh, with co-founders. And... Um, I've had two instances where I was sharing a business with a co-founder. The first one was a a sports website, a news sports news website. And I got to do that with a friend of mine. Uh, this was around 2010, 11 or so. And we were high school buddies. Um, we knew each other for a long time. Uh, we liked working with one another. Uh, one thing we didn't get right, I think, it was sort of uh, not a good fit, is that our pacing was completely off. Uh, the speed that I wanted to go ahead with that project and my friend's pace uh, was very different. Uh, my friend was actually working at a job. Uh, even though his job wasn't that demanding, uh, his speed was much slower. And I was running my service business at the time while trying, while trying to... Um, have this new website business off the ground and I wanted to go much faster. I invested a lot of money in it. I wanted to hire people that write more because that's sort of how the model was. We would get more news and then attract advertisers. So the more visits we would have, uh, the more successful the website would be. However, my friend Space, whose job was uh, sort of the... He was the editor of this website, and I had to deal with the technical part of it, so we had those separated quite well. Um, his pace was much slower, and that sort of pr- 
proved to be a problem uh, because uh, we didn't hit the numbers that we wanted and there were other websites that were kicking our butts and uh, we were just not competitive competitive enough. And um, even though that website is still on, I have stopped working on it for a long, long time. And uh, my, my friend, uh, that co-founder, is still going with a slow pace, which is good. I still have shares on that business, but I haven't really uh, done anything with it uh, you know, in the longest time. Probably the last time uh, I did anything with it was the very last version of that website a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, the pacing was off, even though we knew each other and we, we still to this day were very good friends and every time we see each other, we can have beer and, and talk for hours and hours. So we're still in good terms. Uh, the speed, the goals of the business were different. Another experience that I had with, uh, with having a co-founder was a design conference we did here in Pristina with international speakers. And there wasn't one or two, but it was, uh, I think, five or six of us that co-founded that organization. And it was a nonprofit. And it was a bunch of us uh, local designers who have studied internationally, had international jobs, and we sort of wanted to bring the international flair of speakers uh, to the local scene and try to uh, improve the state of graphic design in, in, uh, in Pristina. And um, it was good having those guys on. They were colleagues from the local market. I knew them all. However, there were too many cooks, uh, too many chefs in the kitchen. And uh, after a while, they, you know, people started making certain groups. Uh, and then, you know, like we would lose track of, even though we would have like these board meetings where we would meet up and decide what next year's format is going to be. Uh, there were times that certain individuals would form a group and they would sort of go with that agenda, uh, not behind anybody's back, but it was just a, a, a big, dysfunctional, disorganized sort of group of, of people who meant well, but it was just too many people, too many ideas, uh, not a clear sort of uh, thought of where the conference is going and what content they should deliver, Everybody had different ideas, and uh, at some point, everybody sort of fell off, and I don't do that anymore. I spend a lot of money on it uh, because if it was a nonprofit, and, and I would spend a lot of time during the summer putting it together for about two years with another friend of mine, and then uh, the conference would happen around September, October, so that was like a couple of months of preparation and raising funds, etc. So that wasn't good, too. I would never do that again, uh, having a lot of co-founders, especially in a nonprofit where you're spending a lot of time and uh, um, especially right now in my situation where I have a family, like I can't really afford that if it's not profitable at some level, maybe at least paying the, a decent salary, not, not profiting in terms where we're taking big chunks of money at the end of the year, but uh, that was just spending money out of pocket and just trying to fit every every co-founder's idea into the format so yeah um and my service business i never had a co-founder uh, the beauty of a service business is that you can open up today and in a week's time you can probably can land your first project whatever size it may be you'll get paid quickly um i didn't feel like i needed a uh, co-founder as the business grew now looking back 
I wish I had somebody to bounce ideas off of so we can maybe um, uh, I could shift some responsibilities to somebody else and not have to deal with everything that was going on around the business because I was managing projects, I was hiring, um, talking to um, um, the accountants, uh, doing sales, going to events, etc. It would have been nicer to have somebody that would share the burden and maybe, looking back, probably make even more money than I did running it alone. So personally, I really like having people around, somebody that I can um, share secrets about the business uh, or ideas that what I want to do ahead. Um, maybe if I'm hiring somebody, this is actually a big one, I always had to deal with hiring on my own. I would pass it by my wife or some friend of mine, but they're not vested in the business, so they, can, they can't really um, give me any sound advice. Like, they could give me their opinion, but then again, I had to deal with the hiring, and especially the firing. So it would have been nice to have somebody that would like that business, part, business side of things more than I, would, I did or I do. And even when it, come to, when it came to firing somebody or, or letting them go for a period, a period of time, um, you know, have somebody else do it and not you all the time because I only once had to actually fire someone and that was horrible. Um, it was somebody I knew before hiring them but the performance was just not there and uh, I had to do the firing and it was horrible. I, You know, the firing went fine. I mean, all, you had, all I had to do is just tell the person what my problems were, even though, like, you know, we had discussions before that, a couple of, you know, a couple of weeks I had before that, that things weren't going, and I was expecting more, and then it came a point to just let them know that I can't continue with that pace, and, and with the performance, because we're not getting anywhere, etc., don't want to go into details, but that was horrible, so I wish I had some of those things, uh, I had shared those with somebody else, so if I were to do a service business again, I think I would find somebody that would uh, would be uh, a co-founder and uh, in terms of, you know, doing the business side of things together with me. So it would be maybe two people managing the business and hiring, et cetera, but dividing things from time to time and sharing those those responsibilities, especially when times are not good. Because when things are good, everything is great. When business is making money, you have to really... Uh, screw it up so badly intentionally for things to go bad so you know even even now when I look at products and good relationships that I see around the bootstrapping world is that it comes down to the product selling and the product being su successful for that relationship to work and yes the relationship does have something to do with the success of that business but at the end of the day it's sort of that wave you catch and how the business how the market responds to that new product or, or your service it pretty much determines the success of the founders so even though you could have like a great relationship and it could be a good fit if the product is not performing that relationship would potentially be considered a failure you know, people would come up and say, hey, well, these two people didn't, you know, didn't have this or that or X or Y or Z, and that's why it didn't work. But at the end of the day, it's really how good the product is serving the market and how good is that business 
for the market it's serving. So that's sort of my my um, my personal experience, my previous personal experience with uh, the sports website, with the design conference, and my and my service business. And now with Claritask, honestly, like I would love to have somebody that uh, was more of a sales marketing person type of thing. Uh, I could do the hiring, I could do the managing of people, of teams, that, that's fine. I could get, I would get out of the development side of things. I would, I would be in charge of the overall vision, uh, maybe hiring more people to do their, their specific jobs. So I don't have to do them because I'm not great at, at one of them, like I do many things. So I would have, I would love to have somebody at this point that they took the marketing and the sales and then just ran with it. And I would deal with the product and, uh, you know, product market fit and, and just improving the product based on feedback and, and um, researching the market, doing R&D, et cetera, working with the team directly. I could do that. So, I mean, at, at this point where I'm right now, two years in, um, actually second year in since the, the official launch, um, it would be very tricky to bring someone at this point, uh, especially if, if I don't know them from before, because uh, there is some value to the business and it'd be very hard to, to judge um, that person's impact without a, a substantial trial period uh, of how that person will contribute to the product as well as how good of a fit we would be together. Uh, if I was starting from scratch, it would have been easier because, uh, you know, we would split it in half right away and uh, just run with our own departments. Um, like I said, you know, I would, I would be more into product and, and some business sides of things. And then the other person could be the marketing and sales person and outreach person that uh, could, could deal with growth at, and, and increasing user uh, count, etc. So yeah, uh, for Claritask, I'm not looking for one. It would be interesting to run into someone that would want to share the, share the burden and uh, work just as hard maybe. Uh, not in terms of putting hours in, but just sort of you know testing things out, um, being sort of relentless and um, very uh, persistent into trying different things and finding channels that um, bring new users and bring good users that we can retain. Uh, I also think that uh, timing is a big one in a sort of potential co-founder partnership because you could have somebody that's a great fit. And I've had this situation happen to me before, even when I was asking somebody to start something with, or somebody asked me, it would be a case of, oh man, I can't, I'm, I'm on clear task right now. It's just, I can't stop that. You know, I'll be on it for, for quite some time. Or I would ask somebody to do something with me and they'll be, you know, either having a baby or getting married or switching jobs and just not being really, um, you know, the timing would be not good. So I think timing is a, is a huge thing into having a, a good partnership um, work out. And for me, it sounds that this, the farther you are with the product, uh, the less you need a co-founder because if you're generating revenue, uh, you could hire somebody. And this is not only to keep the 100% of your of your shares, which is always good, of course, but it you just can't, I, I don't know how you would value their input at that point, you know, just coming in. Like, um, 
um, it would be very difficult. If it were starting from scratch, you can split it in half easily, but if they're coming at a later time, uh, it's just very, very hard. Unless they're coming with a, a big chunk of cash and they invest in the business, then maybe they have uh, you know, a same, similar sort of um, um, input, uh, similar vesting. Since you vested with time before they came, they could offset that with their cash. I don't know. Uh, just ideas how that would work. But from talking to people that have some MRR going, um, some of my friends just before before the show, they said, well, you know, it, I mean, it would be good, but at this point I'm making money and the business is growing at whatever rate it's growing and I need more of a team. Uh, I need somebody that I, you know, that I could pay and they could run with it. Now, granted, the co-founder could be more vested in a way that even, you know, if they bring cash with them at, you know, at that point when they join the company, they would be more into having this product be successful. So that could be an interesting thing because if you're hiring somebody, you know, somebody that gets hired, usually they, they do the job they get paid for, which is probably just great. But it wouldn't be, I think, same as having two co-founders just, you know, trying to grow something together and having the higher stakes that co-founders have. You know, if, if money is not good, they'll be the first ones to not maybe get paid for that month, you know, because they maybe don't want to let their p team go, so they would take the burden of paying the team before they get paid. Um, so the burden is always on the founders, and finding somebody who would be just as involved in your product if they come in at a later stage, those things would be really hard to gauge. So uh, without going any further with my thoughts and my experiences, I want to play a few clips that uh, some of my friends sent it to me um, a day or so ago. So the first one is Arvid Call of Zero to Sold and he had a product called um, Feedback Panda that did work very well, uh, went from zero to around 50K MRR with two people, and then they sold it to, um, to an investor, I think, and they exited the company. Uh, so you can read uh, Arvid's book, Zero to Sold, where he talks about his experience, and I'll, I'll include that in the show notes. He also has a podcast, uh, The Bootstrap Founder, where he talks a lot about these ideas, but Here's what he had to say about um, his take on finding a co-founder. Hey Val, thanks so much for letting me speak about finding the right co-founders. I've had some experience with this in prior businesses that I've been part in, and I'm happy to share some information on this. I think it all boils down to alignment. Alignment on many different dimensions. The most important one of which, I think, is communication. You need to be able to talk to each other about how things are, how things should be, and how they are not. This is very important because over time, you will always run into trouble, run into problems. And the easier time you have talking about this with each other, the better it'll be. You will disagree, and that's fine. You're two different people or multiple different people, but you need to be able to resolve these things by communicating. Another very important thing is personality alignment you need to be able to work with each other. You need to be able to just be a group of people that can interact in a non-hostile way. And 
sometimes it involves banter. Sometimes it involves being emotionally open and transparent and honest. But your personalities need to match. And that's something you need to check for immediately from the beginning. One way to measure all other kinds of alignments to me is compressed in what I call the empowerment alignment. Because if you align along the lines of how much you want to help other people, how much you want to help your customers, many, many different things follow from this automatically. If you're both really, really interested in helping people right here, right now, for as long as possible, there will never really be a question if you're going to be reinvesting the money your business makes into the business or if you're going to pay it out as a dividend. There will be questions like this, tiny questions, but it's never going to be an inescapable problem because if you care about empowerment, these things answer themselves, these kind of questions. And anything else like skill alignment or asymmetries in the amount of how much you want to contribute to the business or what your personal financial situation is and how shares are being distributed or how vesting expectations exist in the company. All these things need to be aligned as well, but empowerment trumps them all. So if you can find a communicative co-founder that shares your vision of how much you want to empower your customers, I think you're good. Thanks, Arvid. So one of the biggest things that I agree sort of a takeaway from Arvid's uh, audio from his answer is the communication bit. And I've had experiences where I worked for people, bosses uh, that weren't great at communicating and you wouldn't know what they think when they said something or you asked them about something, they wouldn't respond. Um, they would hold a grudge or or uh, any of those sort of traits. And that's a, that brings a lot of toxicity in the environment. So I think that's a big one, especially being able to talk about hard stuff so when things are not going well or when things could be better or when you simply have a problem and are ready to be wrong about it so let's say i have a co-founder and maybe i have a problem how uh how slow maybe they're they're working and that's sort of my perception so for me it would be very important to be able and free to ask my co-founder to talk about it and then say, hey, this is what I have, what I'm thinking lately. I, I want to see maybe us work faster a bit. And sometimes I have a feeling that uh, you could be doing a bit more and maybe try to avoid sort of using the word you uh, because that sort of could feel like, a, like an attack. But uh, if you're able to talk about those things and feel free to, to talk about them, with the thinking that you could be wrong and that, that's a great relationship. So in other words, uh, if I'm telling that to my co-founder and they say, hey, Val, yeah, I, I, do, I do this and this and this, and maybe it's just uh, the way you're used to working and how fast you go yourself. Usually I can't go that fast because I burn out. And then I'll feel like, okay, so, you know, that's sort of my take. I was wrong about thinking that you don't do enough even though you've done A, B, C, D, E. So that sort of uh, conversation is very important. Um, and yeah, uh, also about personality. Um, if you're working in an office and it's a very small team, I think it matters even what music you listen to because you'll be playing a lot of music in that environment. And if you, if one of you is, is you know, listen to hip hop and the other one is loves hard rock, you know, even though you might be open to trying new music, 
if it's sort of not you know filling your your day with a comfortable environment where you work uh, the way you want, then it's it's it will be a you know problem like as as you move on. So I think those things matter if you work in the same environment. However, uh, these days we're working remotely, so music is not really that big of a deal. But it does help if both of you are you know like sort of the same comedy shows or maybe like the same stand-ups and then you know when you share you sort of feel that connection in between talks about business etc so uh, yeah i think those are those are great so thanks arvid for for your answer next i'll go to justin's uh, audio clip uh, justin jackson is the founder of transistor fm uh, also he runs his blog with uh, amazing articles almost on weekly basis i think or it feels like that at justinjackson.ca. And this is what Justin had to say about my question to him. I said, since we know a bit about your and John's great fit, what were some of the things that clicked with you personally when making the decision to co-found Transistor with John? There are a few reasons why I think that John, Buddha, and I make good partners. The first is we had a friendship before we partnered up. And this gave us all this time to observe each other, to get to know each other, to understand each other a bit better. We had even done a few projects together before we launched Transistor. And it's helpful. It's helpful to get into a Slack with somebody else and you know, be working towards a goal and to see how how they manage you know tasks and work ethic and all these other things what really makes our partnership work is that we are quite different in some key areas john is naturally more thoughtful more careful he really cares about details he cares about planning and he's very technical. He's a really good software developer. I, on the other hand, had a bunch of things John didn't. I built a big audience. I'm really good at marketing, at promoting, at getting the word out, at writing and creating content, networking. And I also had some product chops because I was a product manager for years. And so I can contribute in all sorts of ways when it comes to new feature development. So having that yin and yang, having complementary strengths and weaknesses is so helpful. And now that I've experienced it and I've seen how much better we are together than apart, if I ever need to launch another business, I would certainly look for somebody like John. Thank you, Justin. So, um, I agree with that, uh, the, having the friendship uh, before starting the business. I had that in one of my uh, my businesses, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Uh, it's super important to know one another. Uh, you know what you know makes them tick. You enjoy being around them, uh, considering it's a good friendship. It's a, you know, a healthy friendship. And especially having done some sort of project before, uh, like Justin mentioned, um, I didn't know this, uh, so... It's really good to know that they did something before they jumped on Transistor because they sort of had a feeling what to expect and how the other person works. And I used to do this actually when hiring for my service business. I would get, you know, whenever we were hiring, I, I would get maybe 
two three candidates that were a good fit and i would call them in at, on a saturday would buy pizza uh would would get drinks uh not, not alcoholic um and we would uh, make a hackathon out of it uh, we would build a login screen and i would put maybe one of them into front and the other one in the back uh, maybe I, will, I would manage the project for that day and we would do something for a couple of hours. And that sort of would give me a sense of how they work in a team and how they fit in the culture of the company. They could be great, they could be wonderful, but if they wouldn't fit with other people in the company, you know, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't make the cut. So I think it's very important to have a friendship before um, if you haven't had a friendship, if you just found your co-founder, uh, it's great to have a project before, a small project, just a trial project that you can, you can, you can do together. Um, as real as it could possibly be, it could be a small free product you can launch for everybody on Product Hunt, maybe like a three-month product or a one-month product that you can really put out there. And then have complementary traits uh, and know yourself. Know not just what you like, but what you don't like. And I hate telling people that they were hired. I hate telling people that they were fired. I hate dealing with that part. I like evaluating them for the, for the job, but telling them about contracts, about um, you know how much money they're gonna make or negotiating their salary, I hate that part. So I know that about me. And if I were to get a co-founder, they would have to like that. If none of us like it, like, that's not a good fit. Somebody will have to do that from us, one of us. Uh, so I think it's very important to, to know yourself in that sense and, and not just what you like, but what you don't like. So when you're evaluating a co-founder for a potential partnership, you can tell them straight up if they don't know already about you, um, you know, what you like and what you don't like, etc. And this brings me to actually Zoli Veris's um, comment on, on how he found his partner and what they actually did. They had a Google Doc with about 50 questions. And I think some of their questions, um, uh, let me just look at the comments, the messaging I did with him. Uh, some of the questions, they had them already from a source, but then they added some of their questions, removed some, and they filled them separately, um, uh, those same questions. So this sort of gave them an idea about their personality. And they also did a pers personality test because the way they met, and by the way, they were both developers, which sometimes goes against recommendations because then you're not having complementary traits, you're sort of doing the same things. So you're still gonna need somebody to market and sell your product unless your product is something amazing uh, and it sells itself. Uh, I think uh, Google co-founders, they were both developers, I'm not sure really. Um, I have to look into that, but um, uh, they might have been. Um, so anyway, Zoli and his co-founder, they met at a networking event, I think. And um, um, they, uh, they did the questions and that's how they sort of had a feel about who they are um, in the eyes of the other person. And then, you know, make that sort of, um, uh, sort of decision to go into it together. Um, in a lot of ways, having a co-founder is like a marriage, you know. In marriage, uh, besides love and infatuation and all those things, 
you really have to align with a lot of things. How you, you know, some of the values have to be similar, at least close to similar. Uh, how you want to raise your kids, how you view money, um, you know, those things have to align because if they don't, then there's going to be a lot of rough uh, road ahead. Um, you know, so it's good to know those things. It's, it's good to have those sort of high-level values. Uh, in check um, same you know with the marriage and with the business especially in business where you you're uh, um, uh, the stakes are not much higher than in a marriage but you're sort of you know dealing with uh, a lives of a lot of people you're hiring people you have uh, customers who you're serving so on day-to-day basis uh, those values will come through if one of one of uh, co-founders has uh, is more lenient toward uh, customers and the other one is more strict and they're running the business on their own so there's not many um, employees they have yet like it's very difficult to to serve even clients when those personalities clash because if both of them are managing customer care then it's going to be different communications coming from the company to the customer so the high level values have to check out at some level uh, for it to work out um, and uh, the next uh, audio clip is from Simon Bennett, who runs. Si- uh, I can't talk today. Simon Bennett from Snapshooter, who actually doesn't have a co-founder, and I wanted to get his view, his sort of take on why he doesn't have a co-founder, or does he want a co-founder? Is it a yes? If if it's a yes, uh, why is it a yes? So um, this is what Simon had to say. Hi there, it's Simon from Snapshooter. So very honored to have the question from Val asking about, as a solo founder, would I have wanted a co-founder when building Snapshooter? Um, and to be honest, at the time I didn't really consider um, having a co-founder. I always thought the issue with that is finding someone you can actually trust because you're putting a lot of trust into someone if you're sharing sharing your pie with two people um, and the other issue was I was building a business on the side with hours um, as and when I could and I always worry if I have a co-founder about making sure um, I was fair with the number of hours they put in so so for example some weeks I, did, I literally didn't get any chance to do anything on Snapshooter so I was always worried that if you had a co-founder trying to make sure you're fair when you're not both full-time now now I'm going into full-time maybe a co-founder in a role way would make a lot more sense um, but that was sort of my main concerns was one trust and knowing anyone that I really trust to get on board with it and then two was being able to actually be fair to them um, with ours. Thank you, Simon, for the answer. And yes, uh, that's actually a big one. Um, not just, I mean, I, I think I mentioned this earlier in this episode. Uh, it's like Simon says, some some weeks I didn't have any chance to work on anything on, you know, on task. And what if I had a co-founder who was, you know, busting his ass out, out there trying to sell and just, you know, um, here I am not delivering because uh, my kid is probably out of school because he has a toothache and I couldn't get any work done. So that's have definitely crossed my mind. Um, and yeah, just like Simon, I never really, really crossed my mind initially when I started Claritas to to uh, find a co-founder. I wanted to learn how to code. Um, I could have maybe 
uh, found a co-founder who could code it and then maybe I could try to market and do market research and sell it. But I think I was more uh, interested in challenging myself to uh, to build it on my own and learn how to build it and then uh, find a product market fit before I expand. So uh, yeah, definitely definitely along the same line. So thanks, Simon. And also uh, I want to congratulate Simon for going full-time. He mentioned that in his answer is going full-time on his Snapshooter, so that's a big step. And Snapshooter is doing great as well, um, so you should check it out if you uh, need backups, uh, I think, for DigitalOcean or it just works with um, any other um, any other providers. I'm not sure. It's Snapshooter.io, I believe. So, yeah. Um, one of the biggest questions that comes up is how do you find a co-founder? Where do you find them? So if somebody were to start today, and think about finding co-founder. I think it's it's very difficult uh, finding one because it's not similar to hiring someone. Because you can you can definitely put an application out. Um, uh, however, it's 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 difficult to to find someone. It would be difficult for me to start working with someone uh, just you know by finding them uh, a week ago or a month ago. So a lot of people that have successfully made the co-founder partnership work uh, they were either uh, friends before or they were parts of a, a similar group so it's really important to to have someone that you know well and um, it's really difficult if you were to start today and um, just find somebody to to start a business business with so you know going to indie hackers maybe you can put out a note and maybe some people will reply and you can start talking to them but how long can you talk to them you know just remotely without knowing them um it could it, it could be done you know um it could be tried i i don't know any cases where people met like that um maybe if if, if you're a listener to this show you can reply to to this show's tweet and let us know if you had a a case where you know you find your found your co-founder in a sort of quick way and made it work uh it's because that's an important thing i mean you could you could find a co-founder but the question here is um increasing the chances of making work because you're gonna you're gonna put time into building your startup and you're gonna it's gonna be a big chunk of your life that you don't get back. It's time, you know, money you can always get back. You can lose your money, you can make more money, you can get a job, you can win the lottery. Uh, you cannot win the lottery of time. <laughs> there's no lottery like that. It would be incredible if it was, but there's no lottery like that. It's just time goes. Um, and I think the last thing I, I wanted to say about this topic is that you can't really get this process down to science. At the end of the day, it's got to be your gut feeling. Uh, I think in my in my sense, like a lot of people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't trust your gut feeling. But at a certain point, you're going to feel a certain thing. Even if everything ch checks out, maybe you'll say, and this has happened to me a lot, you'll say, hmm, everything looks great, but somehow, somewhere... I don't know, you know, and if you're saying that, that's definitely a no. Um, but if you're saying that, um, I don't really have any red flags for now. Uh, I talked to that person uh, from the questions of, uh, you know, from the answers I got from them. It seems that this could work. Maybe it's not, um, you know, it's not perfect, but I think it's good. And, you know, I definitely wanted to give it a try. So if you're feeling that, I think that's that's more of a yes. And at some point, you got to wing it. Uh, you got to take a chance, uh, give yourself three months, 
uh, six months and then you know see if the relationship is working you'll you'll find out if it doesn't um, so that's another tricky part if you bring somebody on board later on in your business you hand them shares um, I mean you can always have them vest those shares but if they don't work out they're gonna be taking a chunk of your business you know for not working out for those three months again you can you can have them vest that period and then if they leave they'll leave with a small share but if it's a beginning you cut it in half and then if it doesn't work out obviously the business won't work out I mean unless you find somebody else um, and at the end of the day uh, what will make or break a relationship is the success of your product of your business um, a lot of your partnerships success and luck will be judged on how successful your product was and yes I think I mentioned this earlier in the show yes your partnership probably was a good fit for the product but my bet would be that the product was needed in the market and you if you weren't to do that somebody else would have done it to fill that gap and since you were the lucky one to do it and found somebody that you work well with one another well enough to push it forward as long as that business is going good things will work out uh, even with hiring etc so with that said when everything in your mind checks out and there's not any red flags um, it's you know you have to wing it and just take the take the plunge and then say I'm gonna give this a try for the next couple of months and then see where it goes but if there's a single red flag that you, it's it really bothers you no matter how silly that looks you should really think about if that relationship would work because of that sort of red flag that you have in your mind um, so yeah um, this was I think one of the episodes where I really um, wanted to learn a lot about what goes into finding co-founder having successful co-founder I, I hope that some of the information that was given in this episode helped you out if you're in the midst of looking up for, for a co-founder or if you have a co-founder maybe things are not going well maybe it inspires you to uh, sit down and talk about what could work better uh, I hope that this episode did that and again uh, many thanks go to Arvid Justin and Simon for for sending us those uh, audio clips and audio clips I like best than uh, writing because intonation the pauses uh, the little laughs um, the speed the pace it gives a lot more context into the answer than me just reading off somebody's thoughts so that was really nice uh, to have those audio clips in the show so um, with that said uh, I want to just quickly mention what's happening with Claritask Claritask is doing good Scrum is launched um, I am trying to up my marketing game since uh, my uh, a lot of the build is, is out of the door there will be a, some improvements happening but right now I'm just supporting clients um, getting new I'm I think I'm gonna play with pricing again not a whole lot but uh, I'll, I'll see what I want what I exactly want to do I have some ideas but I'll keep you updated on um, on um, on the next episode and uh, on other personal things, I uh, wanted to uh, make a note that uh, what I've been watching, I wanted to add this in the show too. So uh, I was watching The Last Dance, uh, the sort of history of Chicago Bulls. Uh, if you were into basketball uh, in the 90s, 
Um, I highly recommend that. I, I watched Michael Jordan. I wanted to be like Michael Jordan playing basketball. I played basketball since the 12 years old. And uh, I love the show. Most of the stories I knew, uh, but there were some some new things in there, which uh, not just new, but the way they were presented. So that was really cool. Um, and then I, I watched the show. It's, I think it's a Euro- European uh, production. Uh, it's a Belgian or French. I'm not sure. It's Into the Night. I uh, highly recommend to watch it. It's a little different from other shows. There's a lot of suspense and there's a lot of characters. And, and um, it's very interesting. You should You should definitely watch it. And um, yeah, so thanks for listening. I hope uh, this episode helped you out and inspired you in in some way. And if you want to support my show, please go to patreon.com forward slash bootsass and and, uh, help uh, make this show possible. And yeah, so take care. I talk to you in the next time.